Well, good morning. One of the reasons that I feel so strongly about this series, and especially about this topic today, is because I have seen what addiction can do, uh, even in our own family. <clears throat> I have an uncle, or I had an uncle, as I was growing up, whose name was Mel. Mel lived behind our house. He had a, a son named Lee, and Lee was uh, the same age as, as I was, and so we were more like brothers than we were cousins and did everything together. When Lee was born, not long after he was born, his mom left, and so Mel was left to raise Lee. And I'm not sure exactly when it all started or why it all started, but Mel was an alcoholic. And part of the problem was that Mel drove a beer truck. And so he's an alcoholic who every day drives a beer truck. And uh, just about every day after he got done from driving the beer truck, then he would drive his car to Nappy's place. And every evening, that's where you would find mail, was at this bar called Nappy's Place. Lee spent a lot of time at our house because there was nobody at his house. When Lee was about 12 or 13 years old, uh, well, for years, Lee had the habit that even though he was young, he would go uh, into his dad's bedroom on Saturday morning. His dad would be passed out. And Lee would get money out of his dad's billfold, and my mom would take Lee to the grocery store, and Lee as a 12-year-old, 10-year-old, would buy groceries for the family. One morning he went in on a Saturday morning when he was probably around 13. Uh, he went in to get money out of his dad's wallet, and he recognized that his dad wasn't breathing. He was dead. And uh, Lee came to live with us. So I've seen firsthand the power of addiction. And one of the reasons I am so adamantly against alcohol is because I've never, ever seen anything good come out of alcohol. Social drinking is just an, an open door to more drinking, in my opinion. And one of the reasons I'm so against it is because I've seen the damage that it can do. But that's the way addiction works, doesn't it? It, it ruins your life, and addiction many times ruins your family. And it'll cost you dearly. And so that's why we're going through this series called I'm Struggling. Last week we looked at anxiety. If you weren't here last Sunday, I would encourage you to get online, mountaireabaptist.com, and watch that first message of the series. Today, as I've told you, we're going to be talking about addiction. Next Sunday, Lord willing, we'll be talking about depression. And then May 6th, we'll be talking about grief and loneliness. Now, I've told you last Sunday that, that I'm have a habit now of going to a cabin, trying to get away and be with the Lord. And, and I also told you last Sunday about a journal that are in these cabins. And the journals are there for people to write a, a, a prayer out to God. And they're intended for others to read. They leave the journal open and they, they're intended that you would read them and pray for the person who wrote that prayer. And maybe even recognize you're not the only one struggling. So I've got two journal entries I want to read to you today about addiction. We're putting them on the screen. Don't... Probably you can't read this one. I'm having a hard time reading it, and it's right in front of me. Uh, but the, the penmanship is a little different. But he says, I need you, Jesus, all of you. I want you to become my everything. I want, you to, I want to like nothing. I'm tired of returning to porn. I'm tired of returning to porn. This has held me captive for almost six months. It has led me into paths I swore to never go into. My enjoyment of porn is the death of my soul. Would you hear that again? 
What a powerful statement. My enjoyment of porn is the death of my soul. I feel as if I lose my position in you and that I lose who I am, my identity. I feel as if I can't, and I can't make out that next word, I can't do something because of my addiction. And then he says in all capital letters, break me of this addiction. Then he says, I'm tired of being a slave to my sin. Break me of this addiction. I'm tired of being a slave to my sin. In other words, you know what this, this young man was saying? And I know he's a young man because later in the journal he talked about his high school. Do you know what this young man was saying? He was saying, this is not the me I want to be. I don't want to be like this. I don't want to be 17, 18 years old and be hooked on porn. I don't want to spend the rest of my life addicted and a slave to porn. This is not the me I want to be. But that's the way addiction works. Addiction takes over. And addiction makes you something you don't want to be. Addiction will cost you dearly. And it'll make you hate who you are. That was one journal entry. There's another journal entry we put up on the screen. And this one actually wasn't written in a journal. Someone just found a piece of paper or they tore it out of their notebook and just left it there. And here's, here's what it says. Dear Lord, forgive me of my sins. Not only forgive me, God, but help me realize and notice the next time I try and let something get in between us. Keep me strong in my faith, Lord. I know what I'm doing is wrong, so why do I continue to do it? I know what I'm doing is wrong, so why do I keep doing it? I'm sorry. There's no excuse for it, Lord. I'm sorry. Forgive me, God. This person really captured the essence of addiction, didn't they? I know what I'm doing is wrong, but, but why do I keep doing it? You see, let me give you a, kind of a working definition of addiction. This is not a Webster's defi definition by any means, but it's just a working definition. Addiction is anything you can't control, but you feel like you must have. Something you can't control, but you feel like you must have. It's a chain that you can't break. And we can, we can become physically and psychologically dependent on something. People with addictions have an intense focus on one particular thing that takes over their life. It could be porn, it could be alcohol, it could be drugs, but it could be a lot of different things. Gambling, sex, it, pornography, it just, they become focused on something and it begins to take over their lives. It can take over their thought life, it can take over their work life, it can, it can take over everything and they can't stop thinking about it and they can't stop participating in it. They just walk around every day in chains. They walk around every day in bondage and sometimes the sinful behavior becomes more important to them than their spouse. Their, their addiction becomes more important to them than their kids. They put their addiction in front of their career. They put their addiction uh, in front of everything in their life. It becomes more important to them than their church or their friends or their family. It just becomes all-consuming. That's what addiction does. 2 Peter 2.19 says this. It says, For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. What's mastered you? Is there something in your life right now that just is dominating your thoughts? Something in your life that's dominating your life? See, addiction is enslavement. It's a behavior that you can't control. 
Have you ever had a conversation with yourself that went something like this? What's the matter with me? Why can't I do the right thing? Why do I keep going back to this? Why am I so weak? I hate when I do this, so why do I do it? If you've ever had that kind of a conversation, you probably know what addiction is. But, but you desire to do the right thing, right? You want to do the right thing. You desire to do the right thing. And you even decide to do the right thing. You say, I'm done with it. This, no more. I, I'm going to stop this. I'm done with it. And so you have the desire to do the right thing. You decide to do the right thing. And for a day or two or a week or two or maybe even a month or two, it works. And it feels great. Until there's some pain that enters your life. There's some problem maybe in your marriage. There's some stress involved in your life. And all of a sudden, that becomes a trigger, doesn't it? And you find yourself going right back to the cesspool. You find yourself going right back to the very thing that you hate. That is the power of addiction. I had a man after the first service came to me weeping. And he said, I've got a grandson that's just like what you talked about. He is addicted. And he went through this list of things that have been destroyed in their family because of this 27-year-old young man and his addiction. Remember the journal, I know what I'm doing is wrong, so why do I continue to do it? It might surprise you to know that the man that some people call the greatest Christian that ever lived, apart from, you know, if you try to look in the Bible and say, well, who would be like the greatest Christian that ever lived? Uh, many people would say that was, would be the Apostle Paul. He was probably the greatest Christian that ever lived. It might surprise you to know that that man, the Apostle Paul, he also has some things that he struggled with, some sin that he struggles with. He didn't tell us what it was, but there was some sin that he struggled with, and it's amazing that he talks about it. It's amazing that he brings it out in the open. It's amazing that this man, who we would consider perhaps the greatest Christian to ever lived, said, you don't understand how hard, how much I'm struggling. Let me show you what he says. It's in Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. Here's how he described it in verse 15. Romans chapter 7 verse 15. I do not understand what I do for what I want to do I do not do. But what I hate I do. If you have your pen handy you might want to underline what I hate I do. That's the power of sin. That is the power of our sinful nature. That is the power of addiction. That we can actually hate something and go back to it at the same time. We can hate it and love it at the same time. We can hate it and want it at the same time. Look at verse 18. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. I have this desire to do the right thing, Paul said. But I just can't seem to do it. Now, everybody look up here. Let me tell you something before I go too far. Paul is so transparent in his struggle, in this text we're going to be looking at, that some theologians have wondered, is he really talking about a Christian? Is he really talking about his own personal experience? Or is he talking about a lost person? Because the kind of things that he writes about, the feelings that he has, the struggles that he has, it doesn't even sound like he's saved. 
And so some theologians said, uh, Paul's not talking about himself, he's talking about a lost person. And then others, and this is the camp that I fall into, I believe he is talking about himself. I believe he is talking about his own personal walk with the Lord. I definitely believe he is saved, but I definitely see also that he's struggling with something deep and dark. And thankfully, he tells us about it. Look at verse 19. For what I do is not the good I want to do, no, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Would you underline this I keep on doing? The evil, Paul said. Amazing. The, this, there's something evil that I do not want to do, and this I keep on doing it. Look at verse 21. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Paul said, there's, I, I've come to realize that there's kind of this law, this principle that anytime I want to do the right thing, evil is right there with me to, to influence me to do the wrong thing. Evil is right there with me when I'm at my work, I'm at my job. Evil is right there with me when I'm on the computer. Evil is right there with me when I'm home alone. Evil is right there with me when, when I'm out with my buddies. Evil is right there with me wherever I go. I find evil is right there with me. Can you relate to that? Can you relate to that struggle? I bet some of you can. The problem is not your desire. You want to do the right thing. You know what the right thing is. But it takes more than desire, doesn't it? We tell ourselves, well, i just got to try harder. I've just got to be more committed. Uh, I, I can do this. This is not that bad. I can handle this. And then one day you realize what Paul realized. Look again at verse 18. I know that nothing good lives in me that is, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good. I love this. He says, but I cannot carry it out. So what's the problem? This man who many would say is the greatest Christian who ever lived, what's his problem? Well, thankfully he tells us. Look at verse 17. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I'd mark that if I were you. Sin living in me. Paul said, that's my problem. My problem is sin living in me. You see, you don't just have a drinking problem, you have a sin problem. You, just, you don't have just a drug problem, you have a sin problem. You don't just have a porn problem, you have a sin problem. You don't have a gambling problem, you have a sin problem. Sin living in me, Paul said. Look at verse 20, repeats it again. Now if I do what I know... Let me try again. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer what I, I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. In other words, this sin living in me is just taking control, taking over. This sin living in me is, is calling the shots and drawing me back into the cesspool. Verse 23, he says, But I see another law at work in the members of my body. Uh, oh, let's go to verse 22. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. 
That's why, ladies and gentlemen, you can decide to do the right thing and end up doing the wrong thing all in the same day because sin is sabotaging your best intentions. You can cry crocodile tears and tell the Lord it's going to be different this time and you're going to do better and you can mean it with all of your heart. But sin can pull you right back into it if all you're relying on is your willpower. You don't have the willpower to overcome your addiction. You don't have the willpower to defeat sin living in you. If you had the willpower to overcome sin living in you, you never would have needed Jesus as your Savior. The very fact that you and I need a Savior is evidence that we cannot control sin living in us. Ray Stedman, Bible scholar, said this. He said, man is made in such a way that his willpower is never enough. Sin will win and we will do the evil we swore not to do. Maybe you can relate to Paul in verse 22. If you're struggling with some kind of addiction, maybe you can relate to what Paul says in verse 22 and following. He says, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. In other words, there's a part of me in my inner being. Man, I love the Word of God. And sometimes the Word speaks to me and and I'm just encouraged by In my inner being, I, I delight in God's law. Verse 23, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. And and then he says this, what a wretched man I am. I bet sometimes you felt that way, haven't you? You're struggling with an addiction right now. Alcohol or porn or or drugs or gambling or a lot of other things. You're struggling with an addiction right now. Probably you've looked in the mirror and said, what a wretched man I am. What a wretched woman I am. So is there any hope? What can we do about this? I want to give you four steps to freedom. And I also want to, before I give you those, I also want to pause to make a statement that's very important. If you need counseling, I hope that you'll get counseling. Biblical Christian counseling. If you need treatment, take the treatment. If you need medicine, take the medicine. There is nothing wrong with those things whatsoever. And I encourage you to use those things as needed. But what I'm giving you today is not... I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. What I want to share with you today is what God says about addiction and what God says about sin that lives within us. Because here's what I found. Counseling is wonderful. Treatment is needed Medication is necessary, but sometimes those things only work so far. Sometimes we need more than that. And if you're really struggling and you don't seem to be getting free, I want to tell you four steps that I think will help you find freedom. Here's the first one. Write these down. First of all, this is basic, but it's important. Admit you can't beat it. Admit you can't beat it. Admit to who? Admit it to God, first of all. Maybe admit it to somebody else. Maybe bring somebody else in on the secret. Maybe expose what is in the darkness to the light. But admit to yourself, first of all, and then admit to God, you can't beat it. One of the keys to victory in spiritual warfare is to recognize you have a problem. 
And that's what Paul is doing in the whole passage of Scripture we just read, but especially in verse 18. We've read it twice. Let's read it a third time. Verse 18, I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Sometimes we're so reluctant to do what Paul says right there. Sometimes we're so reluctant to admit our own struggles that we do just the very opposite. We rationalize our sin. We tell ourselves that we don't really have a problem. We tell ourselves it's not that bad. Or we tell ourselves that we can handle it. Or we tell ourselves that we can quit anytime we want to. Or we tell ourselves it's not our fault. God made me this way. Or we tell ourselves it's not my fault, it's because of her or it's because of him. Or we tell ourselves that we need this, it's a stressful time in our lives, we need this. Or we tell ourselves we deserve this. We, we, we just deserve to have a break every once in a while. You know, it's amazing to me that we have the ability, watch this. It's amazing to me that we have the ability to lie to ourselves and believe it. We tell ourselves lies and then we believe it. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, beyond cure. The heart is deceitful beyond things, beyond cure. Who can understand it? So the first step is to stop lying to yourself. Stop pretending that it's going to get better. Because listen to me, it won't. At least not on your own. You don't have what it takes. And you've got to admit that. That you've got a problem and you don't have what it takes to overcome it. Number two, ask the right question. He said, what do you mean by that? Ask the right question. Well, Paul does that in verse 24. He says, what a wretched man I am. And then look, look at the question that he asks. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Please note that Paul asked a who question, not a what question. We tend to default to the what questions most of the time. What can I do? What can I read? What program is available? But the what question is easy to, easier to ask because, watch this, the what question leaves you in charge. But the who question, the who question on the other hand, expresses a dependence on somebody else. Paul says, who will, what's that next word? Who will rescue me? He doesn't, he doesn't even say, who will help me? He says, who will rescue me? I don't need a what, I need a who. I need a rescuer. If we're ever going to win the battle that we're going through, we have to understand that when it comes to sin, we can't win. Not on our own. In fact, I want you to say this with me. When it comes to sin, we can't win. So, hang on. I have a little problem here. When it comes to sin, we can't win. Say that. Y'all did that so much better than the first service. We've got smarter people in here, don't we? Don't, don't you tell them that. I'm just kidding. Let's say it one more time. When it, when it comes to sin, we can't win. And it's true. If we think we have what it takes to work through our problems, if we think that our wills are strong enough to overcome, if we think that our desire alone will motivate us, if we think that, that we can somehow get over this and be done with it, then my friend, you're destined to fail again. Because when it comes to sin, you can't win. Not on your own. You need a who. You need a rescuer. 
You need somebody who can step into your mess and help you out of it. Because you've tried to get out of it and you can't. And you've got to come to the point in your mind where you say, when it comes to sin, I can't win. I have sin living in me. And when it comes to sin, I can't win. I cannot defeat this addiction. I cannot let go of it. It has a hold on me. I am in chains and in bondage. And every day I I experience it. When it comes to sin, I can't win. I need a rescuer. Number three. Let me tell you who the rescuer is how you experience that rescue. Number three is this. Become dependent on Jesus. You see, in verse 25, he talks to us about the rescuer. Verse 25, thanks be to God. In verse 24, he says, who will rescue me? Verse 25, he answers this question. Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul is saying, listen, I want you to understand something. I'll tell you who the rescuer is. The rescuer is Jesus Christ. Mark those words in your Bible. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Recently, I think it was not yesterday, but a week ago yesterday, I went to Haven of Rest with a BSF class and had a cookout for the guys. Haven of Rest is a ministry in Anderson, and they deal with drug addicts and alcoholics, and they come there and live nine, nine to 12 months at this farm in Anderson, and they help them get free, break free from their addiction. And two or three guys spoke, or three guys, I think, spoke that day. I remember two of them very specifically because one guy stood there and he said, I used to be in law, and then I got into drugs and alcohol, and I lost my job, and I lost my family, and I lost my dignity, and I lost everything. And he said, but when I came to Haven Arrest, I didn't want to be here, but when I came here, eventually I found Jesus. He said, and Jesus has changed my life. Then another guy got up. He was younger. The thing that I remember about him was he was a student at North Greenville University. He played in the worship band at North Greenville University. But he started running with the wrong crowd, started doing the wrong things. Before you knew it, he was a drug addict and an alcoholic. And this young man, whose life had been ruined, he said, but when I came here, I found Jesus. And Jesus has changed my life. As those guys were sharing, I was sitting there not too far away from them. And I, they were standing at a pulpit. And I noticed behind the pulpit, there was a homemade wooden sign. It had two words engraved on it. And it really was the answer to, to what these guys were struggling with. The two words were, in Christ. You know what they learned when they came to that place? And it may have taken months there before they learned it. But you know what they learned? Victory is found in Christ or it is not found at all. In Christ or not at all. Look at the text. Thanks be to to God through Jesus Christ. You see that word through, it means by means of. Accomplishing something by means of someone else. Through Jesus Christ. You see, the reason we fail is that we try to do in the flesh what is humanly impossible. But every day, every day, you have to depend upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me, church. Listen to me. You depended upon Him. If you're a Christian today, you depended on Him when you came to, to Him for salvation, right? 
You depended on Him and said, Lord, I, I, I give my life to You and I'm depending on You to provide forgiveness and salvation. And now that you're in the chains of bondage of addiction, you've got to depend on Him the same exact way. Depend on You today to be my rescuer. Not just from hell, but my rescuer from the hell I'm living in right now. Because I cannot break free from these chains. Jesus said in John 10.10, The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Today you need to commit your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Commit your life to Him. If you've never done that, do it for the first time today. Or if you know that you're a Christian, but it's still the same pathway, isn't it? It's this absolute dependence on Jesus. Because listen to me, church. I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ is your only hope. And the way that you depend on your drug or you depend on porn or you depend on gambling to somehow give you satisfaction, now you need to switch your dependency, your daily dependency on that sin, switch your daily dependency on the one who can free you from that sin. Let me give you the fourth one real quick. We're about out of time. Number four, live each day by the promptings and the power of the Holy Spirit. Live each day by the promptings and the power of the Holy Spirit. Go with me real quickly to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. A long passage, so read carefully with me. Stay with me. So I say... This is Paul, who, who's told us about his struggle in Romans. Same man, but he's learned how to defeat this enemy. He's learned how to break the chains. And he says, so I say, verse 16, Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. There it is. Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature, they are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. That's exactly your experience, isn't it? But, verse 18, if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then he says, here's a list. If you want a kind of a list of addictions, here's the list. Verse 19, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, those who spend a lifetime like this, is what that means, will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, he says in contrast, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of following the promptings and living in the power of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and, what's that last one? Self-control. You can't control yourself. But the Holy Spirit can. You see, there's only one way for you to defeat the sinful nature, and that is to crucify it. Because you cannot modify it. You have to crucify it. And every day, depend upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And every day, follow the promptings and the power of the Holy Spirit. 
You may feel helpless, but your situation is not hopeless. Not as long as you turn your life over to the Lord Jesus. I want to tell you about Mel one more time. So far as I know, Mel never made a profession of faith in Christ. So far as I know, and he, and he died when I was about 13, so I, I didn't have a lot of interaction with him. But so far as I know, Mel, I remember in my memory, I remember Mel trying to overcome his drinking, trying to lay down the bottle. But even when he was vomiting up blood, next day he was back at nappies. Next day he was back at his addiction. Next day he was back living for the sin that was within him. And you've got to decide, am I going to live according to the promptings of the Holy Spirit that lives within me? Am I going to live trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within me? Or am I going to live to gratify my sinful nature? You have to decide which it is. But I promise you this, you do have one, if you know Christ as your Savior, you do have one who lives inside of you that can give you power to defeat what has defeated you. You can conquer what has conquered you so long as you're letting Him do it instead of you doing it through your willpower. Because you've already learned by now, your willpower is not enough. When it comes to sin, you can't win. Your only option is to say, Lord Jesus, I'm helpless and I am hopeless unless you step in. Did you do that today? For the first time in your life, trust Christ as your Savior, absolute surrender, or maybe coming back to Him again, rededicating your life and say, I surrender my life to you. There is sin in me. I need a rescuer. Suddenly, the chains will fall. Let me pray with you. Father, I thank you for your word of hope, for your word that's true, for your word that is powerful, for your word that we all need, we all struggle, we all have our situations that have bound us up. I pray in the name of Jesus for your powerful Holy Spirit to bring us to the place where we are absolutely surrendered to you. We pray that in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.